Hey, welcome to week three of 40 Days of Joy. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And we want to end this crazy, nutty, horrible year with joy. In 2020, we have talked a lot about how to hang in. We've talked a lot about how to survive this. We've heard terms like, I'm surviving this. But the word joy isn't one we throw around an awful lot. And so we want to end this year with the whole concept of joy. Now, there's a big difference between joy and, and happy. Um, happy comes from what is happening around us. It comes from the outside. Um, it comes and it goes. If good things are going on on the outside, then, I, then I'm happy. If bad things are going on on the outside of me, then I'm what? I would be unhappy. Joy's different. Joy doesn't come from without. It comes from within. It comes when we begin to look at life and experience life in light of God and his plan for us. Jesus says this, I've come that your joy may be made full. And so joy finds its fullness through God and through what he's doing in us and with us. And there's joy because God is with you and there's God's joy in you. Now, last week, Pastor Kurt, he talked about how to have joy in the now, that you can learn how to say in the right now, the just right now, joy. Joy can be here with me as I'm experiencing the fullness of the present time of what's going on right now. Now, today I want to talk and spend a little time talking about finding joy in you, finding joy in who God made you to be, um, you who you are, as you are, right now with your gifts and talents and skills. Now, most people don't like to spend a lot of time talking uh, about what they're good at, you know, the, the, the part of themselves that, that, that they really like. And so what we decided to do is we decided to pull some experts together and listen to what they have to say about what they're good at. Okay, so what, what are you good at? And a lot of us, if we were asked that question, we would say, um, nothing, not, not much. How about another question? Um, um, how many of us really like who we are? I mean, be honest with that one. How many of us could say, I really like who I am? And it's a weird kind of a question, but it kind of digs deep, doesn't it? How about this one? How many of us find joy in who we are? I mean, actually find joy in who we are. I, uh, I, I, I hate the sound of my voice. Have you ever heard yourself on a recording? Do any of you really like the sound of your voice? And I hate it so much that I cringe to know that you have to now listen to it. And uh, somebody actually said to me, well, not only do they have to listen to you, Paul, they, they watch you too. And I, and I said, ah, Shut up, you know, because I don't like the way I look that much. And that just comes from a bunch of millions of different things that I had growing up. And, and our self-image and the way we like ourselves or the way we look or the way we sound um, comes from all kinds of different signals we've picked up from parents and from others and from life. And your self-image, your concept of yourself is this crazily complicated thing. And so a lot of us come into adulthood or go through life 
And we don't like us. We don't like who we are. So let's get ugly about this whole thing. Um, how many of you remember middle school? How many of you have spent most of your adult life trying to forget middle school and everything that happened there? A lot of it, for us, that's true. And if you're in middle school right now, God bless you, you, you are going through so much. We know that. Those are the days, the middle school days, the days that kind of begin to solidify who others think you are. You kind of develop your, your social group. You kind of try and figure out where you stand in the social ladder in regards to all the other kids. And, and you come to realize, where do I fit in? I mean, you, you ask those questions and you begin to kind of find your, your place or your peg. Are you popular or are you not? Are you socially skilled or are you not? Are you good looking or, or are you not? And I began to, to think through, man, those days for me. And, and, and we're going to put up a picture of me around that time. Um, this is what I look like. Uh, around that time in my life. Now, now look at that kid, you know. My goodness, you know. And, and, and there's a song that's out there, and, and, it, and it goes, it talks about, you know, it's, it's called Dear Younger Me. And actually, it's a song about if, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself at a younger age, what would you say to yourself? I mean, if you could write a letter to yourself back in middle school, about everything that you should know uh, and you'll need to know to make it through, if you could give advice to that kid back in middle school days, what would you write? And as I was looking back at that younger me, um, I thought, boy, if I could go back in time and talk to that kid, if I could go back and talk to that kid, what would I say to that guy? Well, the first thing I would say is, a sweater vest, really? <laughs> Lose a sweater vest, kid. It'll, it'll never catch on. The second thing I would say uh, to that kid is, Jenny Lancaster will never, ever notice you. And the third thing I would say is, kid, um, there are some real truths that can save you a lot, of, a lot of tears and a lot of sweat and a lot of worry about life and actually give you joy. Joy in you, in what God made in you. So what would you say to a younger you in regards to finding joy in who you are? And here's what I would tell this kid, and here's what I think God would, would want to tell all of us. First of all, first thing, to find joy in you, see yourself as God sees you. I mean, see yourself as God sees you. I, I looked this up, and it's, it's kind of interesting. I look it up on the Internet. Just, just type in, what are the odds of you being you? Or what are the chances of you being you? And it's, it's a fun look up, and there's a lot of probabilities. And, and, and one person said, man, and just think of the, the, the chances, everything that had to happen to make you turn out to be the way you are. For instance, your grandma meeting your grandpa. I mean, what are the chances of that happening? And then, and then them getting married, your, your grandparents getting married, and producing you, your mom and your dad. And what are the chances of your mom and dad meeting, you know, and starting to date? 
And, and what are the chances of them actually getting married, being that your dad was kind of a nerd, you know? How are the chances of that happening? But they got married, in spite of all the probabilities maybe against that. They got married, and, and one night, and when they, and well, here, parents, is where you may want to uh, pull your kids aside and do some explaining. God said, I, I, I want that part of dad, and I want that part of mom to come together. And the chances of that happening, that those specific little pieces coming together are, 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 are really crazy high. And the odds and the probabilities of, of that thing happening at that moment in time, it's like 1 in 10 with 450,000 zeros behind it. But it happened. Why? Because God said so. And God said, I want that, all of those things to happen and to come together for you to be you. And when it happened inside your mommy, everything of you happened. This DNA combined with that DNA. And all of a sudden, at that moment in time, your looks were set, your personality was set, your skills, your aptitudes, your music skills, your art skills, your intellect, your personality, that you liked dogs, yay, or you liked cats, you know, boo. All that was beginning to be formed. Your coordination, whether you were going to be right-handed or left-handed, your verbal skills, your repair skills, your eye color, your, your sound of your voice, your height. Why? So God wanted somebody like you, just like you, and needed someone exactly like you in this world, at this point, at this time. Someone exactly like you. This is what the Bible says about you. You, God, you, you created Every single part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you are to be feared. That means awed, respected. All you do is strange and wonderful. I know it with all my heart. When my bones were being formed, carefully put together in my mother's womb, when I was growing there in secret, you knew I was there. You saw me before I was born. This tells me what's going on while you were in your mommy. God was putting you together. It uses the term in some versions, knitting together, carefully crafting you the way you're supposed to be. And God did it with excitement and with joy, with precision. Why? Because God needed somebody with your looks, your shape, your height, your clumsiness, your hair color, your poor eyesight, your fu funny toes, your love of animals, your sentimentality, that you cry at movies, your funny laughter, your athletic skill or not. God needed someone exactly, exactly like you in this place, in this time. Before the foundation of the world, God said, I need somebody. I need somebody. 
with your humor, your intelligence, your extroversion, your introversion. Middle school is when you start to identify and realize, where do I fit into this great big world? How do I fit in? And it continues in high school and college and sometimes even through our adult life. The marring and the scarring, the damage can be done. And we can hide within that until we realize, wait a second, wait a second. God, God needed somebody just like me. The God of creation wanted a me, just like me. And God said, I need someone like you in your place, in your time. And God said to that kid, you know, yeah, even though I don't like the sweater vest either, I made you. I made you. And I, like gosh, so many people I talk to, I battled self-image issues and found no joy in it. No joy in it. Until I realized that God knows what he's doing. And he wanted you in this world at this time, in this place. And I can trust God knows what he's doing. Hey, this leads me to the next thing I'd like to tell middle school me. Um, I would like to say, hey, kid, be fully you. Identity theft is a big deal. Um, A bad guy rips off your personal information. But identity theft is not just credit card stuff or, or cyber stuff. Sometimes we let others steal who we really are. We let others steal the identity that God wants us to have. They steal it by what they say to us or what they think about us or how they think we should be. And so we become something different than who we should be and something less than who we really are. And it stifles us and it shrinks us and it just sucks the whole joy out of us being us. And we buy into the lie that our value is equal to how good-looking we are, or I can only be joyful if I can get my face cleared up, or if I can get a nicer car to drive, or if I can get into a better school, or if I can get a more prestigious job, or if I can be friends with this kid or with that group, or if I can make six figures, or I can have furniture that I can be proud of. And so we start to ask the question, to ourselves and to almost an empty world. Am I beautiful enough? Am I handsome enough? Am I successful enough? Am I muscular enough? Am I, am I thin enough? Am I trim enough? Am I wearing the right clothes? Am I fashionable enough? Well, let's start figuring out what God says about me. Because what he says about me becomes and can become an identity that nobody can steal. Great verse. The Bible says this. We are his, and that would be God. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he planned for us to do. And the word workmanship, that's the word we get our word poem. And a poem is something that's masterfully written out. All the right words are there in a poem. It's a work of art or a masterpiece. The poem is perfectly shaped. And what the Bible is saying is, is you are that to God. 
But the second part says that we were created for good works in Christ, which God prepared beforehand. And that tells me that there is only now one person perfectly shaped that can do what only you can do. And that's you. Only one. And, and for sure, that tells me that God designed you with your hang-ups and with your problems and with your issues and your challenges and everything that is going on in your life and everything that has gone on in your life for his purpose. There are works that only you can do, only you. And God had to shape you and God had to move you and this world sometimes rubbed things off this way and it hurt and pounded you in this way and that was hard, but it shaped you and made you for the works that only you can do in the lives of other people. And there's a process. James, who was actually a half-brother of Jesus, wrote this. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great what? For great joy. What? Joy? It says this, For you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete. And that means all the stuff you had to go through in middle school or high school or whatever you had to experience or go through, um, these things were shaping you to make you mature, fully complete for what God wants. And, and, I, and I guess I would tell that kid or... I guess I could tell you, um, you know those zits, the time you wore the wrong socks, the time you were picked last, you know the times when the popular kids ignored you, your inability to carry a tune, you're not being able to do a layup in PE, the time you sat in the mud and everyone laughed. It'll make you something. Hey, younger you, guess what? All those things... They made you something. And the only way you can find joy in who you are really is in realizing that God of the universe needed someone exactly like you in this world and has been using all kinds of ups and downs and goods and bads, hardships and trials and disappointments and brokenheartedness to make you you. And each day you can wake up and say, today is the day God made. And he put me in it for a reason. And there are things that can happen today that only, only I can do. Only I can do. Only someone like me with my shape and my personality. Only things with my propensity to do this. My problems with that. My fear of that. All those have perfectly shaped me to be God's person in this world today. And no one else can do it because God made me for this day. And there are people out there today that only someone like me can touch because of who God made me and how God made me. And there are things only someone like me can do because of who God made me and how God made me. And lives can be changed only because of who God made me and how God made me.
And the best thing is that God said, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you to belong to me. And once we connect with God, all of a sudden all those things and all those faults and failures and flaws, they make sense. They come together. And we can have what? We can have joy. Knowing that we belong to him and we belong in him. And the greatest joy we can say is, man, I'm his. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we have um, you to define us. That we're not defined by what others say, what others think. We're specifically not defined by who we say we are. We're defined by you. And God, you, you have said that we are loved. You've said that we're chosen. You have shaped us and designed us to be your workmanship. And when we are in Christ Jesus, we have that specific, beautiful, awesome place in this world to do things only you, only you can design for us to do. And so, Father, help us to wake up tomorrow. Help us to live today with that sense of joy. Help us to see our place in your world. Thank you, God, that we are made by you and loved by you. And we thank you so much because of Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.